and welcome to this live episode of Being Human. Delighted to say I'm here with Remy Bertrand from Imprology, a, a master improviser. Remy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, so we're off. Uh, so one of the things I think we, we said we'd do is we'd just talk a little bit about, you know, what do we mean by improvisation? What's your philosophy around it and how that might differ from some other schools or philosophies and then perhaps even dive into some some live demos so okay. where did you get started with the uh, yeah improv improvisation what's your, what's your backstory uh I, I would you know I, I could say i was born and then i improvised i took it from there yeah and kind of improvised my way to do it on stage on display in front of others I, the first time i can remember it was uh with with my I used to live in a small village, and we, we would do like shows in, in uh, you know in the summer because we got so bored. Uh, that that was you know the really those mag magical time back in the days where you could get bored. You had ways of getting bored, and so we we came up. We, we were doing our own entertainment. We were we had a circus of, of you know some stuff like that, and uh, so that entailed a lot of impro. Although I didn't know it at the, at the time. Um, yeah, summer camps, you know, and all that, uh, you know, stage stuff, uh, small stuff, funny stuff. And then when I, when I was around 11, I moved to England for a while. And I went to school in a state school in Devon, but that was, I didn't know it at the time, of course, but they, they were highly uh, experimental. That's one of the things I love with the, with the Brits is they, they, they do experiment stuff you know they, they they're not they they, they, they have a, a strong curiosity and and wish to try stuff and and so this school it was like you know it was like a, a comprehensive but that who, who really wanted to to turn a new leaf and and to try stuff so that like, like the math mathematic it was you, you would go in the lab you would have microfilms and you would go at your own pace and stuff you know that's for a french kid that was amazing because in France we we're very uh, systematic and very samey, yeah, very conformist. And we had half an hour of, of impro every other week, and, and there was this fabulous teacher. So half an hour, of course, you, you're not going to do much. Um, but it was a taste; it was a first taste. So that that that's, that was my first taste. And then uh, I, I was an actor for a while, uh, and of course, impro is a big tool for for acting. So I was a young actor. Blah blah, and fast forward, I come come here in the mid nineties, and and I um, I witnessed the end of of, of a big moment of improv on the tale of whose whose line is it anyway? Uh, okay, which was the British show which had improvisers very popular in the nineties. Yeah, and which is of course a very heavily edited show. I mean, you 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 only get to see the best takes, yeah, and they edit out yeah. all the rest. So for me, it's in a way, it's the antithesis of improv. Because uh, in improv, you take the good and the bad. It's all there. It's all happening in front of you. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite funny that, you know, the stuff that, that introduced improv to so many people and that so, so many people still refer to as, you know, that's what improv is, is actually heavily edited and therefore not, not, not improvised. You could right. Say. Or, or at least the output. Yeah, 
It was improvised at the time, right? But just well, the, it, it what was you see of it. Yeah, it was improvised at the time, I would say at the beginning, yeah. But then when you are in the third season and you're still playing the same game with the same people, I would also argue that you're not improvising any longer because you start to know your partner so well, you start to know the game so well that you can really start to, you know, um, do things that, that are expected of you. And again, that's not improv. Right. Okay, okay. So you, so you're an you're an actor at this point in in London, is that right? No, and, at this yeah, point, yeah. I, I gave up acting. Very, I started acting very young. I studied as as a, in fact, as a an extra at my local opera house when I was thirteen, because I was very tall. So, and but, but so I'm an extra, which is nothing much. But that taught me, you know, the bulk of of theatre, the bulk of. And, and working with huge team as well, because, you know, opera involved like a, like a hundred people at least uh, every night. And, and this team has, has to be very limb and has to move really together. I mean, the discipline involved in theater, I think a lot of people don't, don't have a clue how demanding theater is and, and how a fabulous school of life it is, uh, you know, because you don't get a second chance. If you misplace your props or, you know, you don't know where your shoes are, you're dumb, man. You're fried. So, so there's a, you know, there's a, it's an incredible discipline. It, it calls for a lot of different arts and, and craft to, you know, to come together and things. So that that's where I did my first class, and then I, I, I started. I, I was in Avignon. Avignon has kind of a biggish festival, not as big as Edinburgh, but it's one of the biggest in, in continental Europe. So I started there. I, I, I was, I, I was. Kick out of school when I was fifteen because I didn't go. So they say this well, was in De- this was in Devon. You the the, the state. No, that, the that was in Avignon. No, that was in Avignon. I only stayed a year in Devon. Then I was back in south of France. And so I'm fifteen, and um, I'm only going to my theatre club uh, uh, in school. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Whether you come or you go, but you can't. It's not a Chinese buffet, mate. So you know, just just go. Yeah, just just go. So they they, they kicked me out, and uh, and then. The guy I was doing theatre with at this uh, school said, well, you should go and see that director because you've got a, a style that he might like. So I go there, I audition, and the guy signed me on. So I thought, wow, acting is a wonderful job. I want to do that. I didn't realise at the time that I was being incredibly lucky, you know, to walk in, and it's audition time. I didn't know that. I thought it's always like that. You know, you walk in, you audition, and they sign you on. And so I did two years with the guy, and then I'm... I moved to Paris for a while, but they laughed at me because I had a South of France accent, and, and I wasn't trained as well. I got I got, I got trained on, on on the job, and I did a few years of that. So bear in mind, I'm still very young. I'm, I'm all, still a teen, and then got last. I, I got tired of all, all the drama. I saw, I saw, oh my god, all the drama. You know, you look at the actor, you got all the drama, all the problems. You, you look at the technician, and you got all the solutions. I want I want to try that. I want to be that. So then I did sound engineering. I did all kind of stuff uh, on, on the other side of thing. And then I'm, I don't know. I tried millions of stuff, millions of different stuff, and ended up like so many people in marketing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Okay, I know, I know. I, I started in, in, in uh, on TV. I had a small part with critics, Christine Scott Thomas, and we're lover. It was in a, in a crap little series called Mithril's Daughter, and then, you know, our, our career <laughs> went on a very different path. I ended up in marketing, and Christine is, well, Christine. Right, okay. 
uh, marketing in in the south or in Paris or in London by now? No, we're in London by now. We're in London. Okay. I'm doing a lot of because I left school at fifteen, and, and basically what was happening to me until I started in prology, I would I would start a job, be very curious about the job, learn how to do the job, and once I, I know how to do the job, whatever job it is, get incredibly bored with it, and then drop it, and then pick something up. You know, so I've been a wine keeper on a cruise ship. I don't know, you know, tons of stuff, which was super interesting to learn. And then I couldn't be bothered. And then in Prology, I've been going since 2006. And although it's been super, super tough to start with money-wise and everything, uh, I never ceased to to learn and be fascinated by that. And, you know, so, so 14, 15 years later, I'm still learning stuff and I'm still not, you know, re- I'm, uh, yeah, every day I learn things with that. So, so the longest I've been in a job before that was possibly two years, you know? So talk me through the move from marketing to starting to become an improvising instructor. Yeah, okay, so so 2006, so I've, I've, I've already done a lot of things, but I'm not full-time, but I've done, you know, I went to Yemen to uh, workshop the, the, the cast of a, of, of a, of a movie there um, uh, with, through, through Impro. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some workshop, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Well, and you get this like on the side whilst you're being a marketing guy? I mean, how does that yeah, <laughs> do you get called yeah, over yeah. to Yemen to do Friend of friends. Oh, I've got this friend. He's a director. He's going to Yemen and he's looking for someone to help him, you know, train the people over there and all that. And and at the time, I was mostly, you know, I I wasn't doing high up stuff in marketing. I was mostly doing surveys and stuff, Um, which nine out of ten time it's incredibly boring, and and one out of ten is fascinating. It's super interesting, but that's one out of ten. Yeah. So I can quit that job whenever I want, do other stuff, blah, 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 and then come back and pick it up. And, you know, and and, and then, yeah, so 2006, I'm, I'm about to turn 40, and I've been wanting to, to, to teach in pro full-time since forever. And I tell myself, man, you do it now, or you're not going to have the courage to do it. So all, of, so all through these jobs as being a technician in marketing, the wine guy on the cruise ship, in the back of your head, there's, I want to be an imp- improvisation instructor. That's, uh, by, by the time I, I come back in, uh, by the time I came back in the UK, which was uh, if, uh, 94, I think. So that I, I, I came here and I, I settled here in London. And I've joined a little company, a little improv outlet. We're doing uh, improv uh, upstairs the pub. Like you know, ninety percent of employees like that. I, I join a few, you know, do a few workshops, join some people, work with some people, and think this is such an extraordinary tool for self knowledge. The, the showbiz aspect of 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 thing don't interest me that much. Plus, I'm French. I'm easy to kill. I'm often targeted by you know some mild racist tendency that the Brits have. So I'm I'm very often shut shut down on stage because you know I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the and and that's not the, the stuff that really interests me so much. It's it's more the, the, the mirror that improv 
you know, give give uh, to you and 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 show yourself the, the way you are. It's going to show you how how you relate, how how you relate to yourself, how do you, how you relate to other, where do you pitch yourself in the taking order, you know, how desperate you become when you don't have control of the situation, you know, what kind of power trip are you on, and and all that, and all that without the need for a lecturing voice explaining to you any of these things, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm 39 and I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, if I'm not doing it now, which to me was, you know, a very different flavor from the few stuff. At the time, there was only one or two other school out there. And they were really geared towards performance, towards, you know, doing shows, doing, you know, uh, battles and, and all that. And, and this didn't attract attracted me at all. And the first few years, we didn't do any shows and stuff. We were just workshopping and researching basically, the, 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 the subject. So anyway, 2006, that easy to get a loan. I get a loan from, from my bank and, and spend a year figuring out what the hell and, wow. and building the... Well, you must have had some sales skills to get a loan from a bank to start an improv company. No, 2006, they were desperate to, to lend you money, man. They were desperate. Really? I made a phone call. I just made a phone call. Uh, it, it changed uh, big time, you know, it changed soon after, actually, you know, you had the first big financial crisis uh, soon after that, and, and, and the, the climate changed. But at, at the time, it was that easy. And I'm a very slow guy, so I spent a year figuring out what the hell. And also reinventing the wheel. I love to, you know, I didn't want to learn in books or whatever. I've, I remember I've already been teaching quite a bit, yeah. Uh, I'm not full-time, but I've been teaching some workshop in French, I've been performing. I've been, so I got a vague idea. I know, you know, the few key names, the few key, you know, Keith Johnson, Viola Spurin, I already heard of those guys. But I still don't have a clue about what it is I want to do. And uh, so I spent a year trying to figure it out. And I think it was a really good moment. You know, Google started to happen. And you could have a business online. And it was still quite easy to figure it out. You know, and so, and so I start building my website. The first thing I did to clarify my ideas is to start with with a website rather than being caught short of oh god, I still got to do my website. I, in fact, I built my website at the same time I was trying to figure out what the hell, and and then started. And when I started, I thought it was going to take me a year, you know, to be a to be afloat, and it took me four. But, oh yes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because also, and uh, what I realize now, I'd rather I'd rather have fewer students that are super motivated and super interested and things that to have a lot of people who are don't really want to be here or would rather be somewhere else. Or you know, I send a lot of people towards other classes if if I found that it's not the kind of stuff that they're going to thrive in. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in. in in big numbers right so what is it you know for people so i'm guessing most people their understanding of improv will have been the comedy style improv that they'll have seen on tv you've mentioned self-knowledge you know that for you this is about self-knowledge so what is the imprology version of improv, improv i suppose um yeah one of the things that is that I found quite interesting is that it's kind of evolving all the time. 
and and it's not really um, it's almost the opposite of result oriented and uh, also yeah I mean for example you know you, I mean there, there are so many gifts and so many things to discover with with improvisation and I tend to go from one obsession to another for for for, for, for a long time I got totally obsessed with status and, and working status with impro at, at, at this moment in time, my, my current obsession is kindness and how, uh, how you go a really long way with kindness. So I'll give you an example. If you, you got, a, you got a bunch of people and they're about to go on stage and they're about to perform and some of them are going to be okay with it because they're behind the, the bump of being scared stiff, but some of them are not beyond that bump and they are scared stiff. Putting any kind of pressure on those people is going to make it way worse. But not just way worse for them, way worse for the people about to play with them, way worse for the people watching that, and way worse for any kind of story that's going to come up. And, and of course, the opposite is true. Being, being nurturing, encouraging, uh, uh, you know, uh, also produce uh, amazing results. That, for me, was a big uh, and long learning curve. Because I was quite a, you know, like, a, you know what? Get in shape. It's your responsibility. It's not mine. I'm not your dad, you know? So I went from that to, well, you know what? Maybe that is my main function, is, is to be there for you. And for me, it's a hell of a journey, you know? And that, 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 that's where I'm at at the moment. Uh, but probably if we speak in six months' summer, I'll be somewhere else. Okay, so it's a, yeah, so it's ever emergent, I suppose. Your your focus, and yeah, and 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 everything, man, everything is because to me, it's like the moment you, you nailed something, you killed it, because it's alive things, it's alive, yeah. So it's immanence, yeah. It's uh, the yeah. most important, the most important things. They they, they can be evoked they can be, you know you can touch upon them but you can't really nail them because the moment you nail them they lose kind of all real significance yeah yeah and and who's attracted to come and work with you well that's my luck because it's a lot of really really nice people and some of them come because of social anxiety um but they've got to want to get over it uh some of them i got a lot of people to come uh, for storytelling reason, because they are, you know, they, they are storytellers themselves. So whether, whether they're, they're writers or, or they're, they're illustrators or they write scripts or, you know, all kind of stuff. So they come for the, for the storytelling aspect. Um, some people, because for example, they're, 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 they're about to get into higher up in management. They want to, they want to find out, you know, what it is about employment management that, 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 that you can, do and um, yeah, the really nice thing uh, in, in in this setup is that people sign themselves on. Yeah, they go to the website, they take a class, they pay for it. Sometimes it's their their job paying for them, but most of the time it's themselves paying for them. Uh, and that is such a different setup than you know coming into into a corporation or a school because I've been teaching in drama school as well, or you know. And, and, and just doing your, your thing in, in an institution. It's very different. Yeah. How's it different? 
uh, well, the biggest difference is the people were told to be there. Yeah, they didn't choose to be there. Um, and uh, there is something where a lot of us we, we're gonna hide into when, when we're anxious and and god knows information may make a lot of people anxious and that that's got that's what i call the tragedy of being me yeah suddenly it's like it's slightly tragic and we go into this tragedy like you see you know toddlers when they're a bit tired and they start yeah. crying like man the, the world is going you know to the dogs but we can all be like that and and so we got this choice and, and that's that's a fabulous dance of, of improv is that you got a choice you can go into the tragedy of being you and how, how hard it is to show your vulnerability and to you know to be open and or you, you, you can you can be playful and you can achieve exactly the same thing with lightness yeah but it has to be a choice you can't make someone play it's 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 impossible so you can dangle something shiny and say, "Oh, look, <laughs> yeah!" But it ultimately is going to be their choice. You can't you can't force it. So people who are in the room by choice, it's already a very different type of empowerment. Yeah, they, they're empowered. They choose to be there. They paid with their own money. They are clients of mine. Yeah, the other guys already they come. They they they're not empowered. They've been told to come here. Yeah. So it's already yeah. a very different relationship. Right. Right. And I'm guessing your preference is to work with the ones who paid. Yeah, uh, they all paid, mate. They all paid. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to, to work with the one who booked themselves in, to work with the one who made that, that choice, they will put themselves in the room. Yeah. Because it's, it's I'll tell you what, it's 70% of the job is done. If you have the courage to do that, you're already in a place where it's going to be a lot easier for anything else to, to follow, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so you're, so you're in your four, so it takes, it takes you four years to build up enough of a client base to, for it to wash its face, right? Yeah. To, to stop wondering where the next meal is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so you must have had a real desire then just hang in there for four years. Yeah. And, and uh, because the beauty was that I, I was learning so much, man. I was learning every day. I was each, each lesson was such a huge, huge learning experience. I was meeting uh, really fabulous people and I, I was, I was being taught basically up, you know, I've been taught by, by my by my students. So basically, also the idea was that I couldn't charge that much because I was still very green and still very experimenting and I had no real idea about where I, where I was going. Um, and so that's one of, also one of the reasons that it took, uh, it took so long. You know, you had the imposter syndrome, you had all this stuff, which, which yeah. I resolved quite easily thinking, you know what? Uh, you pay me so that I can do that full time and 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 become a, a, a better servant. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and now you're doing it online. Do these people do them online or do they do them in person? Like, what's the setup now? So now the setup. I mean, obviously now is is it online? But up until this yeah. point, up until this point. Um, so up until Brexit, I I, I was running like five five evening classes 
and uh, I was turning people away. Basically, I was, you know, I was a big uh, at my own little scale. That was a big success. And also, what happened in when when I started uh, from the from the best of my memory, you already had uh, a school in, in in London doing impro, and that was the the spontaneity shop who existed since the nineties. You had uh, uh, another outlet called Sprout Ideas, which I think was already there, which was doing also stand-up and things, but they were doing impro, and, and it's a friend of mine running that, uh, David Bourne. And, um, and you had, I started at the same time of uh, some, some, someone else, Steve, uh, who created Hoopla, and Hoopla has become an, an empire. Hoopla is now, you know, the, the, the impro. It's, it's another word for improv in, in uh in London, they do you know three classes a day, and and Steve worked his ass off for for, for that. It just didn't happen. He worked like 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 that. But but that was it, yeah. So there was these two guys, uh, Hoopla and, and I. We started uh, t together, and um, uh, that was it. Nowadays, I mean, before COVID, you 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 look at you know search for improv in uh, in London, and you got maybe twenty twenty five. School. So it has become super, super crowded and very, you know, so you've got a very, very strong uh, proposition now. You can find classes everywhere. And why uh, is it then? Why, why right now at this moment in our history is, is improv so popular? Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I can tell you, I can give you my story, my version of things, is that we, we finally realise that we, we, that we cannot prepare for all eventuality and we got to learn to to deal with you know uh, our, our our own ignorance with we, what 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 we can do is is deal with unknown better we can that that we can prepare for but there's no way that you, you know we got to stop pretending that we know what the future is made of i still grew up in a world where people could pretend that they they, they would know yeah but now look at us we can't predict elections we can't predict anything right yeah and and it's because sometimes people say the world's got more complex but has it has it nah. really as you say is it more that we're just learning that we can't predict the future we're learning that well, sort of, learning, flaw in the human condition that thinks we can yeah or, or relearning it you know because talk to talk to our grandparents people who went through the second world war and tell to tell them that our world is more complex than theirs and they'll, they'll laugh in your face no? Uh, it's just that we, we forget in times of peace and, and prosperity and we, you know, we, we, we start to, to, to buy into the narrative that, that, that the world is predictable uh, and, and that we can prepare for every eventuality, uh, which of course we can't. And, and it's, it's extraordinary when, when people start improvising, that's what they try to do and, and they get a really hard time. It's, for a lot of them, it's like a fly bumping on, 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 on the window time and again, time and again, until you realize that, no, it's not about that. It's not me being prepared to, to, you know, to, to, to answer all, any question or to know it all or to understand it all. It's me uh, comfortably letting go of control and, and paying exquisite attention to what is happening so that I, I, can, uh, I can address that. I, I can answer that. Right. Right. You know, a lot of the people telling me about the benefit of the class was, and especially in the corporate setting, is 
to be comfortable by, when you do a public presentation or whatever, to be comfortable to, to answer a question by, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, I, I was speaking to a CEO uh, in one of our round tables recently, who said that that was something he had to learn to do quite quickly during the initial phases of the of the of the pandemic was you know he, he simply you know there was no way he could give an answer other than i don't know yeah. you know what kind of uh the journey of you know humility and you know and and how empowering it is as well to, to finally you know i remember this young woman who was a, i think she was a researcher a journalist she, she would she would do, run presentations on, on countries, uh, South American countries and things. And, you know, she, she used to dread question time because it's like, oh, my God, what if they ask me a question? I, I don't know the answer. And then, you know, within Pro, she realized, hang on, there's no way I, I know all the answer. And, and there's no way as well those people expect me to know all the answer. We're, we're all human. We're all finite. We all, you know. And so the moment she became comfortable with that, it meant as well that because she was less like anxious, she, she, she could connect more with, with the room. She could, yeah, she, she started to have, to have a much, much better time presenting. It became right. fun, basically. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting because I think a lot of people do feel a lot of anxiety in a corporate setting and don't feel like it's too much fun yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. True. True. And they do feel a lot of social pressure. We think about, I suppose, we think about the pressure that exists on an actor on the stage, but it, there's some form of that that many people experience every day, just in, in a regular yeah. job, right? Yeah, what well, well, Desmond Morris called being overexposed. Right, you know, overexposition is not a good, uh, it's not a good place to be for most people, except you know these trionics like us. <laughs> The jazz hand types. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and for you, so you mentioned earlier, you know, this realization that there's 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 something to be said for paying attention to being kind. What what else have you discovered about yourself in this long journey for you now? Um the first thing Oh, this is okay. So the first, the first, and answer is too, too, too much, too, too, too much stuff. Too, too many to, to, to mention. Too many to, to remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things that came to, to, to mind is I, I was born in a very tiny village, but didn't have people of my age around me. I only got on with adult people way older than me. I was very socially awkward as a person. Uh, you know, kind of. It always came up as a surprise when, when I say that to people because I don't look like a shrinking violet. But I was really <laughs> always quite awkward around people. And when I started teaching, you know, and then you go for a drink, and I was like, shit, what do we talk about now? And, you know, am I the teacher? What am I? Where, where am I? Where, you know, what's happening there? And then this totally disappeared because who gives a flying monkey? What is what? Mm -hmm. We're now in a different setting. We're in a pub. Something else is happening. So it, it, it taught me this thing of, you know, you don't have to, to make an intellectual projection about what is happening and to try to feel the thing. You can just leave what is happening there and just enjoy that and, 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 and go through that. You don't need 
you know, you don't need an intellectual representation of these things to make you feel safe or to make you feel happy or to, you know, so that, that, that was a big liberation. And I think that's one of the big liberation that improv is, is, is giving to people. And of course, I went on teaching improv because I had to learn it for, for my own sake. Yeah. And, and teaching is the best way to learn stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, that certainly for me, I, I can find it is, is a bit of a psychological defense sometimes to go in to, to intele- intellectualize a situation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, instead of just allowing myself to be vulnerable on what is and, and, and not trying to conceptualize it, just trying to feel into it. Yeah. 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 We can relate to that. We, we've got a strong, strong aversion for failure that is so strong that I believe that it must be that our, for our, our ancestors, it must have really been life-threatening to fail, you know, because we're so averse to it. Uh, and and uh, in that sense, Impro is pretty much like Aikido. Uh, you know, when you learn Aikido, uh, from what I heard, is that for, for the two first years of learning Aikido, all you learn is how to fall down without breaking bones. That's all you do. Boom, 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 you fall, you fall, you fall, you fall. And and then when you know how to fall, now, now, now we're going to show you the other stuff. Uh, and, and improv is pretty much like that. How to deal with failure, how to deal with abject failure, uh, and, 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 and be okay with that, and really be okay with that. I don't mean putting a front, yeah? And, and, and it's basically when, when we stop putting our ego in, 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 in succeeding and, and we start putting it in uh, the ensemble work and, and, and the ensemble succeeding, and then it becomes truly out of this world, you know, because you start to witness miracles and stuff. Um, but there's no shortcut. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, the member of Tama failed. Remember of time I went home saying, never again, oh my God, what have I done? And, and each time it's really in front of the wrong people. Yeah, Each time it's in front of the you know, impro royalty that you're going to do your worst show or your worst move. And, you know, uh, and then it's like, um, w- w- what is happening for me uh, at the moment is the, the realization that the, the uh, the most fascinating and magical thing that happen in scenes, you know, improvised scenes and story, are very often born out of mistakes, you know, born out of a misunderstanding or a mistake, but that people uh, are, are really able to hold on to and are upheld. And, you know, so that rather than making each other's wrong, it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make space for your interpretation of the thing. Uh, and, and we're going to run with that, and we're going to make something with that. And then it's like the pearl, you know, in the oyster that started with a grain of sand that was that had nothing to, to do there. Right. You know, it's not clever. The pearl doesn't, doesn't come out of a clever scheme that the oyster had. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. It's brilliant. No, no, it's it's an impurity that come and, and, and you know, run a vote. Have it. Yeah. That's such a fascinating insight because when i think about the the corporate culture is is so often it's polishing this this powerpoint to within an inch of its life like you want to present the pearl fully formed right you you don't want to go into a meeting saying i don't know this i don't understand that 
I screwed this up. I think this is fucked. I I I can't. I I haven't got a clue about it. Right? You you just you just don't enter situations in that way, do you? I, and I would even go further. Everything is so sanitized in the corporate world that you almost never get the pearl. <laughs> right. You know, because you don't let the sand in. You're not going to let the sand in. So if you don't get the sand, you don't get the pearl, man. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm sort of squaring that with something like Apple, where they do have this strive for perfection and, and creating beautiful pearls. Um, so, so it's not like we, we don't want to strive for greatness, do we? But we also want to, there's a, there's a paradox there, right? We want to strive for greatness and beauty. And as part of that process, we must be with, with the shit, right? Yeah. And, but I would say that the, one of the difference with Apple is that they got this beautiful, beautiful religion of um, frugality and usability. And less is more. And those are really enormous impro principles. Yeah, less is more. When you tell a story, don't 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 go and and tell us three million things. Which at the beginning, when when people improvise storytelling, it's what we have. You know, the intuitive things is that it has to be complex and mysterious and full of stuff. And it's the exact opposite that happened. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember there was a meme quite quite some years ago. Maybe at the time Job was still alive and. You know, they were contrasting um, Apple's marketing against uh, Microsoft marketings. You know, so Microsoft, they got the Windows X2000 Premium Edition uh, 1996. You know, already the title. Yeah? And, 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 and in the box, they would have this paper that you can open up. And, you know, all, all this stuff that is trying to explain to you to death something. And the more you explain it, the less clear you make it to people. And then Apple come and they got this beautiful way of putting things and they manage to do some little miracle in, in two lines. Uh, and that is very improvisational. Um, and and, right. and it's, uh, yeah, but it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot Yeah, because it's interesting because sometimes I, I, I sometimes, my, I suppose my prejudice about improv is that sometimes it can feel very flabby and meandering and padded and, you know, it's not necessarily tight, right? No, and, uh, you know, one of the things that needs to, to be learned or relearn is, for example, finishing. You know, it's, uh, it's a skill. It's a skill that needs drilling because most part of the time, people will never finish their scene, whether because they, they, it's happening so well and they got so, many, so much pleasure out of it that they don't want it to stop, or uh, because it's so awful that they want to redeem themselves before stopping <laughs> it. And it goes on and on and on and on. And, uh, yeah, finishing scene is a, is a skill in itself, or finishing stories, or, you know, and being brief and being frugal. Again, <laughs> it's, a, it's a topic in itself that can be studied, and, 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 and that takes time to master. It takes a lot of time. You know, a lot of... This stuff is counterintuitive. Um, but if you go about it like, okay, these are rules, and we're going to teach them to you, and sometimes you're going to be right, and sometimes you're going to be wrong, and you've got to keep going until you're right more time than you're wrong, to me, it, 
doesn't really work and it's not that interesting to do anyway you know it's it's a piggy bank uh, mode of teaching like you're empty of knowledge i'm full of knowledge so i'm going to transfer a bit of my knowledge into you which of course it doesn't work like that everyone's a, is a cunny improvisers whether they know it or not you know and everyone know how to work their way out of a human being so it's so much more interesting to help people to tap into their existing knowledge and to realize you know all the all the richness that, that, that there is there uh, rather than you know lecturing and and, and trying to to force uh, your model on them yeah yeah no no i get that I, i'm just i'm coming back to the jobs i said we only really have a myth to go on with jobs right i mean who knows what he was really like mm -hmm. but um but one can imagine it was pretty unsafe to be vulnerable around him <laughs> at least that's part of the myth it's unsafe to be vulnerable around him and he he had a very forceful ego and yet he created things of beauty so what's your take on that i i, I got no idea but i'm sure i could make something up quite quickly <laughs> uh, it's uh yeah, it's it. So I would, um, you know, I would, um, in terms of, I, I was talking about status earlier. Yeah. So uh, we all need status. Status is, to, to the best of my knowledge, is uh, as necessary to, to survive as anything else. Because if I got a low status, I'm, I'm going to be constantly threatened by other people. If there's something happening, I'm going to be left behind because nobody will think of me. You know, there was showing this Animal Kingdom stuff, this uh, this little chimp uh, female that, that was uh, uh, an orphan and that was totally ostracized by everyone else and that, you know, totally fallen status and, and was in danger of her life, basically, yeah? And, and we, we're cousins of those people, but let's never forget that. And don't worry, I'll come back to you. Uh, I'll land on yeah, job. Yeah. yeah. So the guy who first theorized status as being useful in impro and, and, and useful to teach acting as well as impro was called Keith Johnson. He's called Keith Johnson. He's still among us. And he's the biggest thing there is in impro. I mean, so many times I've been coming across a new thing that I'm super excited about. And then I found that Keith's been there 20 years ago. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's the guy. And he's the guy who wrote probably the book that a, anyone interested in Impro should read. And it's called Impro. And guess what? It doesn't have a V. It's Impro. Just Impro. Like he's done. And he find out that the way he came across, he was teaching like uh, um, at the Royal Court. He was teaching young actors. And he had a bunch of actors around the table. And, and, and the scene was totally flat wouldn't go anywhere and he started giving pecking orders to, to, the, to, to the student there around the table and suddenly everything came to life and he was a friend of Desmond Morris as well and so who's, who's uh, Desmond Morris I don't know the guy who wrote The Naked Ape oh yeah the, the, yeah, the guy who got all this field started in a way yeah started looking at, at, at human beings with the skills of a zoologist and, and I didn't know that, but he was quite big in in, uh, in England because he's English. For, for, for me, I only knew him through France and through, but in in England he had uh, he was a regular on BBC and, and all that, and 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 so uh, 
Johnson knew him. And I think that the, 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 the status stuff and the pecking order stuff came, you know, in, in, in kind of collaboration or being aware of this work and, and all that. And the fact that we are in the family of great apes and et cetera. So status, here we are, status. Must stories are stories about status. And in most stories, the, the, the heroes start there, get beaten down and then come back up. Yeah. And, 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 and as an audience, we love seeing status variation we love you know especially if it's going to be tom cruise yeah that's all tom cruise films are ding, 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 yeah uh, it's just that but one time it's sci-fi one time it's you know this and that and, and we can't get enough of them so that's the, that's going to be the first thing um the the fabulous thing with status is that it's a negotiation otherwise we're just gonna argue on top of each other yeah uh, Trump Biden first uh, first debate. Yeah, this is what it looks like when people want to occupy exactly the same place and that they're not ready to compromise and whatever. We just shout at each other. So if you look at us too, we've been in, in negotiation all the time. You're super kind. You give me a lot of space. You let me express my stuff, and 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 I give you space as well. I'm not just you know pouring and pouring. Sometimes I do shut up, which is nice. Yeah. So status is so bloody important that we don't even realize that it's there all of the time, everywhere. And that we are in constant negotiation. And that it's super rich and super uh, granular because, you know, you don't necessarily occupy the same pecking order depending on maybe in your family, you know, you, you're going to be terrorized by, by your husband or your wife or, you know, and maybe at work, everyone is worshiping. Yeah. Um, so there's there's this that is totally uh, fascinating, but then when it becomes even crazier, is this thing that for uh, quite a, a large number of English people, if I defer to the Queen, I kind of defer to them by transaction, yeah, because there, there's kind of an ego transference. So if if I defer to the Queen. They, they have a stake into that because they defer to the queen as well. And if I don't defer to the queen, and you can replace the queen by Trump, by whatever you want, mm. then they might feel personally insulted because they do. And it's, uh. you know what I mean? And if we bring that closer to home, if you think some, about think of someone you, you, you have deep respect for, so it could be your dad, could be someone you work with, could be your mom, could be your wife, could be your, you know, whoever someone is close to you, you've got a lot of respect for. And if you see someone else disrespecting them, you feel personally attacked. Right. You know, we take it very personally. And, and that's the beauty of status as well. It also worked like that. It also worked with transference and all that. And to go back to Steve Jobs, the, those kind of leaders, what they do, it's quasi, quasi mystical, is that they, they give you a bit of their they shine and things, and if you go and work with them, you kind of you're in the church now. Yeah, you're in the church, and so a bit of the shine is shining back at you as well. And yes, you're going to do your best, and you're going because you're working for the best company there is, doing the best product and things. So that might be why kindness doesn't always work. Sometimes you can be a right bastard, and you can still get great result. But <laughs> make sure you you got a strong cult following. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, that's and that's interesting, and that and in some ways that plays against, I suppose, again, my prejudicial view of improv is that it's this flat structure and everybody's chipping in and everyone can take anyone can take the lead at any moment. But what you're also suggesting is that no state is is really important. It can bring groups alive. So so hierarchy in that respect is very important. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah the, the, the super important thing in in in. in uh... Uh, can, can, can we swear on this podcast or what, what's the deal? Yeah, you can swear. Okay. So the the something really important, especially as, as a teacher, as a facilitator, is to is to 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 address your your own crap, yeah, to, to make sure that you're not putting that on other people or, or as little as possible. Um, but it's true also of, of performers and all that. And it's easier say that 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 than that. Because of course we have our luggage and things. And because it's it's create anxiety, what tends to happen is that all these things come up, yeah, and and will manifest one one, one way or or another. Um, I started impro thinking, yeah, yeah, let's put thirty people on stage and and see what happens. Because man, you know, we're self organizing being. We can we can do that, and 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 of course, it's the hardest thing, yeah, to. To, to give total freedom to people and say, well, go on stage, do what you want now, is terrifying, is terrifying. Most people are going to be utterly terrified. So we need structures, we need limitation. That's what's going to bring about creativity and all that. And yes, of course, if if you, you push all the walls and, and you say, okay, here's a flat organization, what's tend to happen is that the bully will end up on top very quickly. Yeah. So you need to hold the space. You need to hold the space and to facilitate the space so that everyone get get, get to have a voice. Right. Uh, right. Or find structures and way of working which would collapse the, the, the hierarchy. And uh, and and some some stuff exists, like uh, like a, a wonderful woman called um, uh, the Six Viewpoint, Mary Otherly, which was a dancer a choreographer, came up with with. Uh, a way to flatten things and to allow people to collaborate really at, at, at the same level, which right. kind of, you know, is super desirable uh, and not that easy to bring about. Right. But super desirable, but not necessarily, right? As you spoke about, you know, the, your, your friend who brought this meeting alive of actors by playing with status. So that's that's the interesting point here for me is that actually creating hierarchy can enliven a situation and not necessarily deaden it, right? Okay, so he's not my friend. I'd love him. I love him to be my friend, but he's, he's eighty three years old. He's called Keith Johnson, and he's Keith Johnson. Keith Johnson is a messiah of input. I'd love it. I'd love to say, yeah, Keith's a good friend of mine, and you know, but I was having dinner with him yesterday. We had such a great life, but it's not the case. But uh, Okay, so you have to make the distinction when we talk about all that. Barilas put in other big lady, big names. If you want to give you some reference, if you want to put some reference later. You need the distinction between performers, characters, and audience. Keith Johnson gave characters a pecking order, yeah? And the scene came to life. He didn't give performers a pecking order because ideally... There's no picking orders in the performance. Ideally, everyone is watching each other's back and everyone would take a bullet for everyone else. 
And if you don't have that in an improv company, it's going to be pretty crap what's happening on stage. Yeah, it's going to be basically everyone trying to shine, you know, a little more than, than, than the neighbor, which is what's happened uh, very, very often. Or, you know, people freezing in the headlights because they don't they don't feel brave enough. And so as I would say that if you talk about the performers carrying the performance, then it has to be totally flat. It has to be everyone for everyone else. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. It's quite awful. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And that's an interesting metaphor, right? And we can we can put that in an organizational setting and say you can you can play a role which might yeah. give you some positional hierarchy and may in some ways, right, be valuable for the group. It might enliven the group, it might help yeah. the group. Mm-hmm. And as an individual human, they want to be uh, treating everybody in the group with equal level of respect. Yeah, and, and, and you're not your job. You're not your yeah. job. At the end of the day, you're just a guy, you're just a girl. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and because if you, and I, I'm talking about that, like, like if I'm on top of that and I can master it and things, which is absolutely not the case. I'm still dealing with my, you know, my own ego tripping, with my own, you know, how, how empowering people all the way is basically pushing me into oblivion because ultimately they don't need me. That's, that's my job is to make these people not needing me at all. Yeah. Uh, well, that's tough, man. That's, that's really tough. And, 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 and washing away all temptation to ego trip and to go, oh yeah, but I know that and you don't. So shut up and listen and I will impart my knowledge upon you. You know, it's a super, it's a, you know, it's, it's a tough yoga. I found. Um, but yeah, the, this, this fabulous thing of making the distinction also, you know, uh, between your, your characters and yourself when you're improvising. So if you can do that, then you got a fabulous freedom because you don't care if you're this abject human being that every, everyone, you know, puke on because it's a character. It's not you. So you get to visit kind of any state possible of, of, of the human soul, you know, right. but in a super playful manner. And do you adv- so when you, when you're talking to people who are bringing this into a work context, are you is that one of the suggestions you make? Is consider yourself to be a character in your workplace, and that that gives them license. Oh, that's interesting. So I never advise people on their job because I don't know what their job is, and I don't know you know what it's like and things. And so generally, what will happen is that this kind of knowledge, I will. I will hold the space for them and let them mine, mine the stuff and, and, and drill down and, and, and find where is the little diamond they can bring home. But I, I can't give that to them because I would be utterly made up, you know, because I, I got no idea about their organization, how it works uh, and, uh, and, and what would help. But yeah, holding a space for them to, to brainstorm it and, 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 and come with principle you know, the stuff we've been doing all day today, what, what, what can then be applied to, to your, to your stuff. Uh, and then, and it's, it's super interesting and very rich conversation very often, you know? Um, but I don't, uh, I don't lead that and I don't, 
you know, I don't pretend that I know any of that. Yeah. So, but, but what you find is people make connections with what they learn in the improv space. That they big, big time. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, we did talk about doing some practice of this. I know we're coming up to the hour. What um, Do we have some space to have a play? So, uh, so it's just you and me. Yeah, we're going to play a game. Yeah. It's just you and me. Okay. Um, okay, we can try this. It's... Um, it's a game. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a, a dialogue, but it's also gonna be full of silences because the most interesting things more or less happen in silences, just like with any conversation. Yeah, I don't know if you if you see what I'm talking about, but generally uh, the interesting stuff take take places in in the silences. So here it's gonna be a silence full of builders. Oh yeah, man. They don't really. So yeah, first thing first is you know we, we need to be comfortable with silences. Second thing that, that which is quite quite an interesting thing. All this thing we we're not going to try to block it out. We're going to let it through. Yeah, because if we try to block it out, it's going to make, make us even mad. And we're going to have a dialogue. But we're not going to finish our sentences. But it's not like if I don't finish my sentence and, and you need to guess. I'm not trying to make you guess. It's like almost like, you know, people uh, in, in the US, in, in certain states, they can go like that. You know, James, you know, the, you remember? And, and, and so... It's more like getting hypnotized by this thing that trying to rack our brain, our neocortex, and, and going, oh, my God, what is he saying? What, what, what is it? No, no, we need to connect to kind of emotionally, yeah? And sometimes okay. it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. not the end of the world. Okay. Now, uh, if we give it enough time, and of course, you've got to understand that you are not you, I'm not me. We, we're playing version of ourselves. We're playing characters. Giving enough time, you're going to end up having a, kind of a good idea of what you need from my character. And I'm going to end up having a good idea of what I need from your character. It could be anything. It could be a bowl of sugar. It could be respect. It could be your shirt. It could be that you give me back the money, whatever. But very importantly, I don't start with it. Because if I start with it, it's entirely made up, yeah? But if I let it happen through our interaction, then it's organic. And it's more often than not, it's going to be, you know, truthful. It's going to... Is that enough? I, yeah, I think so. We're not, we're not finishing each other's sentences and we're going to try and emotionally connect. Yeah. And we okay. don't even try to guess what, what the end of the sentence is. And we is. don't try... And we don't you don't complete okay. my, my work. Maybe your brain is going to be you know, uh, finish his sentence, but don't let it, okay? okay. You ready? Three, I'm good. Yeah, let's go. two, one, go. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm letting the builders in right now. Are you, you are, you, what? What? <laughs> I'm letting them in. I'm not letting it bother really? me that we've got. Wow, that's, Wow. 
I'm really, that's, you know, you're, you're such, you're such, look at you, you're such a, a that's, yeah, you, you look happy, <laughs> you look happy. I am, but it's because it's, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't it? Just. It's. Yeah. It's. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's warm. It's warm. It's warm. It's warm and, you know, makes yeah. you want to, you know. Seize. Look at you finishing my sentences. Look at you. You're such a, you're such, look at you. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, we can stop now. But it's, uh, so you see, it's a super nice example about how not knowing make us super anxious. And then we can't help ourselves, but bring that back in the known, yeah? Because it's what we do. And, and this stuff made you a very successful guy. Yeah? Bringing the unknown into the known, yeah? And suddenly you got this French guy telling you, no, 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 stay into the unknown. And then you got to uncover amazing stuff. But as you can see, it takes, takes practice. But that's all it takes, it takes practice, you know? Yeah, and... Yeah, I definitely. But what I suppose what I felt was way more emotional connection to you. Like I, I felt my stomach, yeah. like, and I felt warm. Like I said, a warmth. I felt this warmth in my gut, which, yeah, I hadn't experienced for the, the entire hour up until that point. It's it's amazing what just that it's little like shift in, in the sort of rules of our our dialogue. Uh, what yeah, had. yeah, and you know that the brain is often called the first. The, 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 the guts are often talk about the first brain, yeah? Yeah. In, in cognitive development, in, yeah, in complex yeah. biology, the first thinking stuff was in the brain, was the guts, yeah? And, yeah? and so the way we connect with our guts, the guts feelings and all that, I mean, you know. So it's... Yeah, but that was the first time my gut was engaged, like, whether I was really conscious of it. But that That's interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. Uh, it's also because you you really played the game. You really went for it. You didn't shy away from you know. Some people might have panicked about well, what the hell is happening now. Yeah, I'm starting to have all these feelings coming up. You know, oh my god. Yeah, it's like I felt love. I did. I felt like some kind of love for you in a way that I hadn't. And that even sounds strange. Like we've known each other an hour and whatever our prequel was before this. Yeah, yeah but if you think about it, th th there's there's kind of this strong dichotomy, you know, between, uh, okay, so it's going to have very different uh, names and stuff, but uh, hate is another name for fear, yeah? Uh, is another name for anxiety, isn't it? And, and, and so very, very often the way you can dissolve that through positivity, through attention, through curiosity, through love. I mean, those are all different words for quite, quite a, you know, of course, if you talk like that, you sound like a hippie. Yeah, you you you, you need to dissolve love into, you know, uh, fear into love and blah blah blah. Okay, so you could say you need to dissolve anxiety with curiosity, and you saying the same thing. You know. Yeah. 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 No, no, I I, I can see it, uh, and I can see how it's it's going to have a lasting effect. Do Do you find that? Do people 
if people report that I can imagine that I'll still be sort of riffing a little bit, even off that at minute interaction for a while now. It's like I yeah, feel yeah. something's been energized. Yeah, totally. Just by like, you know, like taking a plunge in a cold pool, it sort of awakes a system. You know, I took so a that, plunge into a yeah. very different space, right? Emotionally. That that's a really nice metaphor. And and but also it was born out of courage. It was born because you went for it. Yeah, there was no because because you you are you're active in the field. You're you're a trainer yourself. You know what it's like. You know what it's like dealing with anxiety and yeah, all, all of that. Because very often what's going to happen is that the people are about to take the plunge, you know, and and then they're there. Yeah, and then for two hours I'm trying to talk them <laughs> down into you know, letting go. But it's a very human thing. Yeah, it's this yeah. terror of oh, I'm going to be changed and I might not recognize myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrifying. And and so you took the plunge and that now the payoff is a lot of endorphin going around. Yeah. And, and you know, this this nice, nice feeling. Yeah, and a lot of people would tell me, you know, I, I come to your class after work, I'm, I'm totally knackered and things, and, and two hours later I, I I'm on I'm on a cloud, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm on re energized and all that. Yeah. No, and I don't, I don't. I'm probably trying to make too much of a, a very short interaction, but <laughs> what I'm just, I'm just comparing it to some of the comedy improv classes I did. You know, sometimes you would, you might get a laugh and a bit of satisfaction because maybe you'd made a few people in the audience laugh, or you'd made your partner laugh, or something. But it wasn't quite the, yeah. That there was something slightly different about that. I felt um, maybe a bit more emotive. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, the reason why I, I don't, um, I don't really, I feel like a cousin of improv, comedy improv, or, you know, like, like a faraway cousin, uh, is I don't recognize what I do in that, because it's all, to me, it's all way too intellectualized, way, way, way too, uh, too um, systematic, and, you know, you do this and this and this, and you'll get this. And actually, no, it's not that simple. Uh, right and uh, and also you know um, to circumvent the, the courage it takes uh, you, you know so, so there's this kind of enforced happy clappy hey 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 togetherness that I don't I I don't feel part of you know okay one thing is uh, anxiety make us nervous and, and make us dismissive and make us negative and, and, and make us go to dark place. So it can be super helpful to, to be light and, and you know and, and loving and curious about stuff and, 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 and that can be drilled as well you know because it's not necessarily the first thing that, that, that we're going to be doing. But having said that if, if, if the authenticity of the moment is, is very dark and is very well let's let's do that then because at least it's you know, it's it's being aware of what you got rather than manufacturing something or pretending yeah. that something you're not. Right, right. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Feels like I want to do another one now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe we've done that. Okay. Well, thank you uh, so much. Um, I've really, really appreciated the conversation. Um, and so for people who've, you know, it's aroused their curiosity in in developing their impro skills. Obviously, there's coming to your classes. Is there are there, are there other any other places that or any other things you'd suggest to people to sort of get going with developing their awareness or their skills? Uh, well, if you want to if you want a book, uh, 
there's uh, Impro by Keith Johnson that I would d definitely uh, recommend. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got classes, but I, saw, I also have uh, uh, stuff that are free, uh, uh, like, um, like tomorrow, uh, British time, I, I've got something, 10.30, that, that is just, we, 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 we have a conversation. Sometimes we play games. It's a bit like the stuff we've been doing today, but it's, you know, there's five, six, ten. It's very variable. Sometimes there's more people. And that's that's totally free. And that's an hour in each other's company. Um, and then, yeah, there's evening classes. You can you can check that, all that on improgy.com. And also, you know, the ethic of what I'm doing is that if you, if you really want to take a class and you can't afford it, well, you get in touch and we find a way to, to, to make it work, see what you can afford, see how, how else can you, can you, you know, be of service or whatever. Uh, so that so that money is not the prime, you know, it's not the only transaction we can have. Uh, what else? Uh, there's, I mean, Google Impro, and you'll see, you know, and, and there's there's a there's a lot of um, stuff out there that are free or, or you know quite inexpensive. There's a lot of shows being broadcasted on on on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, yeah, r r right now Impro is happening. So. A lot of it is, is happening on Zoom, and a lot of people are zoomed out by by, by the stuff. Uh, you know, I hope we can we can go back in in the space as quickly as possible. Personally, I don't feel like social distancing impro would work for me, uh, so I'd rather do it on Zoom. And and also, we have wonderful connection happening on Zoom. Like the way we connected now, man. That yeah, I mean, I, I felt as connected emotionally to anyone I've ever felt connected. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> that, yeah, I felt stronger emotionally. I felt. Very emotionally connected to you in a space that you know, which we generated in that exercise in the space of a few minutes over Zoom, where I'm staring at you and you're like two inches wide, right? And I can hear, hear your voice. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the first time that happened to me on Zoom, I was super surprised, you know, or, or people starting reporting this happening and, and how close and connected we can feel. And, you know, some of those people, they're going to be in Canada, they're going to be in Australia, they're going to be in the US, in Africa. And, and and we spend this so for me that's one of the wonderful discovery of of, of this sorry affair is uh you, you know that yeah we we can still feel a connection electronically well on that note i thank you for connecting with me uh, well, thank for, you so uh, much, over an hour i've really enjoyed it thanks I'd, I'd, I'd love your your presence and your question and your openness so thanks for having me man. no thank you um all right, we'll send all the links uh, to, to Imprology and, uh, and the book you mentioned in the description to the show. And uh, thanks once again. Thank you. Thank you. Au revoir. Au revoir. Ciao. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com dot com